0: In the Christian bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by independent financial planner Adam Peek. Join us as we provide commentary at the intersection of culture, tech, and faith. On today's special interview episode of the podcast, we answer some questions like, Where is God in all of this COVID stuff? How should Christians respond in a hyper-polarized political climate? What's the secret to being content in 2021? And finally, are we living in the end times? All this and more coming up on this jam-packed interview episode of the Cultured Christian Podcast. And we are here with Daniel King. We are doing this episode called Keeping Your Faith in Troubled Times. And Daniel, how are you doing today up there? And where are you at, Seattle?
1: Yeah, I'm in the Seattle area, and I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Nice.
0: So he is just uh, about three hours north of me here. I'm down in the Portland, Oregon area, and he is up in Seattle. So we're kind of uh, left-coast buddies And uh, the reason why we have Daniel on the podcast today is that I met Daniel through Reddit. So there's been a few episodes here where I met some guys through Reddit. Uh, Most notably, I met some guys in Japan, actually, if you go back through the catalog there and chatted with some guys across the world, but I met Daniel through Reddit, and he was kind of looking for a guest share, I think is how we called it, where it's like I come on his podcast, he comes on mine, that sort of thing, and so I was recently on his podcast, and we'll link that in the show notes, but now it's Daniel's turn to be on the Cultured Christian podcast, so welcome, Daniel
1: thank you thank you i didn't realize that you spoke to someone from japan that's awesome
0: oh my gosh yes so definitely you need to check that check our catalog man it was one of my favorite episodes and we uh we talked video games with two gamers from japan so i was definitely geeked out to talk to those guys oh
1: i mean you and i could probably do that for a solid hour (laughs) if you want to scrap what we're going to talk about now and do that we could definitely do that
0: Well, sidebar, I will flex here a little bit that I recently got. I acquired a PS5. So the last two weeks, I know the last two weeks, I've just been on the couch, just playing Spider-Man and Cold War and just loving this new system. So, yeah, maybe that's a a second episode we can do is (laughs) gaming.
1: Yeah, that'd be sick. That'd be sick. You're lucky you got one of those, too, because I know that they're really hard to get.
0: Well, and we said it in the last podcast that I actually had to, so I bought it off of Facebook marketplace. It was easily the most expensive item I've met someone in person and I was a little bit scared. I'm not going to lie. 40 year old guy meeting somebody online to buy a <laughs> PS5, but it worked out really, really well. And I don't regret it at all. Cause I didn't, I just spent a few hundred dollars. So I didn't like double the amount. So but yeah so let's talk about you Daniel so tell us again our audience is listening what tell us about yourself you know you're a podcast host obviously includes some about the podcast but who are you who's this guy up in Seattle why should we have a conversation with this guy
1: well this guy up in Seattle uh, his name is Daniel um, <laughs> i I mean I, I'm I'm a very typical guy like I don't want to try and you know, beef myself up or also downplay myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy who went to school um, close to actually where you're living um, and graduated with a uh, Christian leadership degree. And um, then I got married shortly after I graduated and moved up here to Seattle because my wife's family is up in this area. Ah. So uh, we're living up here. But, um, you know, I'm a big uh, sports fan. I love uh, soccer I, I hate saying that when, whenever I say soccer, it makes me like wince and cringe a little bit because I hate saying that. I call it football. But he, yeah. here's the thing. If I say football, then everyone's like, lol, what? What are you talking about, bro? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not hand egg, dude. Actual football <laughs> where the ball is at your foot and you drip. Yeah. So I'm a big, big soccer fan. I love you're it so an, much. You're
0: not an NFL football guy or you're a, a no. foot foot guy.
1: Premier League, bro. That's my jam. I love watching that. Barcelona's playing. Oh, buddy, that yeah, let's go, let's go. Uh, I love, I love soccer so much. Um, actual football, isn't, not handball. Isn't
0: football. it coming to the states soon? Didn't I read that somewhere? Like the what do you call it? Not the World Cup. I'm so not a sports guy. What is the the soccer thing? Isn't that coming to the states soon?
1: So um, there is a big cup that is. So it's it is the World Cup, and it is coming. Not the next one that's happening, which I think is in two years, but in six years, I want to say, because oh. the World Cup's every four years. But what's okay. going on is, and, and this could have changed since I last looked at it, but Canada, the United States, and Mexico. That's where those are the countries that are going to be hosting that the World Cup um, because for whatever reason, they couldn't decide on one country. they decided to do, I guess North America. Um, for the most part, which I think is kind of cool. But then, you know, Mm. we're going to have people in Canada and then people flying to Mexico and all these different stadiums and yada, yada, yada. It's actually really cool because the stadium that's in Seattle, which I think is now called, I don't know, Jeff Bezos bought it and he named it something really stupid that I can't remember. It's like Climate (laughs) Promise or something like that. It's super weird. But uh, that is actually going to be one of the stadiums where some of the games are going to be played. So I might actually be able to go and watch it, which will be super cool. I'm so stoked. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm a, like I said, I'm a big sports guy. Um, and I also have a podcast as well, which is where I actually talked with Kurt for a little bit. Um, it's called Across the Pond, and it is very lax. Um, pretty much what happens is I get in contact with someone. Uh, we talk for a little bit beforehand just to try and work out a time and then uh, we chat for an hour and there's no script, there's no, there's very little prior knowledge. Uh, There is a form that you would fill out if you would like to be on my show. And it gives me just very, very, very basic background information on you. So then when I do uh, go into the chat with you, uh, you know, I have a very, very small skeletonized uh, outline of how I would like to kind of direct the conversation. If for whatever reason, you know, let's just say, Kurt, you know, you and I never met, and you came in, and you're like, oh, yeah, I like sports and stuff. But then, you know, the conver- like we don't bring out anything that's of value, I would say, you know, it's kind of just like super, you know, super bollocks. And then, you know, you're kind of a shy person. And it's like, at least I have that outline then. Like there was one person that I talked to, you know, God bless his soul. He came in and he was super nervous. And I was like, hey, man, like, how's it going? You know, like just trying to, you know, get him to talk. And <laughs> after he would he'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, it's going well. And he would just sit there and not say anything. And I was like, OK, you know, like, what are you into? Oh, I'm into D&D. And I, and I had to force stuff to come out. I was like, bro, like, come on, let's go. But um, yeah, that's what I do. It's like I said, it's called across the pond, find it literally anywhere on the internet. It's actually on YouTube as well. I've been posting them on YouTube. It's not video. It's only audio, but mm. for whatever reason you want to go on YouTube, you can look it look it up on YouTube across the pond. And uh, it's just conversations with strangers from all over the world. And I've talked to so many amazing people. I've talked to, uh people who run their own tour business i've talked to people who have dealt with uh, mental health uh anorexia anorexia there we go um i've talked with people from china i talked with a burlesque dancer so you know there's a wide range of people that i speak to it's pretty cool
0: nice and a youth pastor in oregon huh
1: and a youth pastor in oregon true (laughs) true
0: That's awesome. So, the name across the pond, whenever I hear that, I immediately think of England. Are you from England? Did you watch The Crown? Like, what did the name come anywhere from England for you?
1: So, yes, I have seen The Crown, by the way. Great show. I love it. But, um, so I was actually sitting in my Discord with my mom. So, a little backstory I I used to stream on Twitch, and so you know, I had mods, I had a Discord, and I had everything. I recently stopped that, um, just because I I don't want to say I lost interest because that makes it sound like it was you know that, that makes sound bad I just I, I, I decided to stop and um, mm-hmm. so I was sitting in a while ago before I actually started doing the podcast with my mods um, and I was telling them what I wanted to do and they're like oh that sounds really cool and I was like do you guys have any names that kind of pop up you know right away and they're like no not really you know and they started throwing a few things around but it wasn't anything that really stuck and I was like how about this how about across the pond and they're like, whoa, that's really good. And so I was like, all right, let's do it then. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where I came up with the name Across the Pond, um, mostly because I was expecting to get more people, you know, from like Europe or uh, Australia or, you know, what have you. I was, I was expecting to get more people not in the States. A lot of my mm-hmm. episodes are with people from the States or Canada. I'm actually going to be speaking with a gentleman from Mexico here pretty soon. So that's going to be neat. But um, yeah, yeah. A lot of people they're like across the pond i'm like yeah I, I know what you're thinking no i'm not british no none of that uh i think it, the the whole idea that i wanted to try and encompass with the name was i want it to sound like i'm talking with people that i've never met before mm-hmm. and what a better way to do that than saying across the pond like oh that must mean you know someone is literally in a different country than i am or literally across the ocean So I, that's kind of what I wanted to do, but I've heard a lot of people say, bro, I don't know where you got that name from. Like, uh, I can, I can understand. So,
0: (laughs) well, I like it. I, for one, like it. I think it does uh, draw the listener in and yeah, across the pond. I, I haven't looked it up, but I imagine if we Googled it right now, I mean, it was probably in media somewhere that a, a news anchor somewhere, you know, first mentioned it of connecting America with England and just yeah, that term across the pond for me does mean like a global, like we're talking with people around the world. So you did a good job of, of naming what you're doing on your podcast. And with that, I'll say, I mean, you haven't really, uh, we haven't talked about this, but I'll put it in the show notes. You know, if anybody on the listening end of this podcast is interested in being one of your guests, I assume you'd be cool with chatting with somebody who listens to this podcast, right?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. What I'll do is uh, when we're done talking, I'll send you the um, the form link. And um, nice. I guess you can put that in the notes. But yeah, I'm more than mm-hmm. happy to speak with you. If you, Here's
0: the thing. If you feel like you don't have anything
1: of value to bring to a conversation, don't worry about it. Fill it out anyways.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes those are the best conversations, oh, yeah. right? The people who don't. know, the egos that show up and say, I've got to talk about my thing, you know, maybe sometimes the best people are the ones who don't really have that. And they just kind of are a shy, introverted person and they listen to podcasts. And next thing you know, you're interviewing them and you're pulling out some gems and learning something. I mean, to me, it's like, I was talking to a nurse just the other day and it just kind of hit me. It's like, life's beautiful, man. Just hearing her story. She's in her sixties and you know, where she's lived and the things she's experienced. And just, you know, every person is a story like wrapped up in so many different variables and, and experiences. And so that's what I like about your podcast is you're really highlighting people's stories and how vastly different and yet similar human beings are at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll give you an example. I was speaking with a gentleman from Portugal, And, um, the poor guy, like you could tell he was a little nervous, but over time, you know, he opened up a little bit and, you know, he got more comfortable, but, you know, then we started talking about stuff and then he was talking about how he wanted to commit suicide. And it's like, Mm. and, and I don't, I don't say that to be disrespectful in any way, but I do say that to say, it's nuts the conversations that you can have with people and the stuff that they can tell you and just, you know, the stuff you get to learn about and help people with like, that's, that's what I'm going for. You know, honestly, it's just getting to know people, you know, learning about them, wanting them to feel, you know, loved and everything. That's, that's what it boils down to.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, Daniel, and giving us a little uh, thumbnail of your podcast and your life. And um, yeah, so I got a I'm I'm toasting you from uh, from Oregon here. I have actually a, a hard cider from Seattle. So I am full on <laughs> supporting you as I'm sitting here in my little office studio. So even though we're not together, I am raising a glass to you and saying cheers. I'm glad that you're on the podcast and let's dive in.
1: Yeah, dude, thanks. <laughs> thanks for cheering me on. Let's go. Let's let's get into this. I'm excited for this. This will be you're
0: good. You're like you're like dang it. I should have I didn't know. I should have had a beverage before. I uh. should have <laughs> had my fat
1: tires, man. I got my fat tires in the fridge. I should have had one.
0: Oh, dang it. Um, so yeah, so Daniel and I threw, uh, threw around a couple ideas and where we landed with was kind of this idea, really just culture and faith and where we're at in the world right now. And and the title of the podcast is this episode is keeping your faith in troubled times. Um, I mean, good Lord, like is I'm 40 years old and easily this from an exterior perspective, has been the most pressure-filled, stressful, uncertain time that I've ever lived in. And there is just so many aspects of life on earth, but specifically, let's rein it in, life in America um, has been highly stressful, highly, um, again, uncertain. Just so many people that I talk with, just especially in the last year just didn't know where life was going to go. And there was kind of this like underlying cloud of just what the heck is going to happen in the next month, let alone the next year of our lives. And so I felt like just, you know, Daniel's a Christian guy and obviously a lot of the listeners are Christian and I've had Christian guests on and my friends are believers and we've had all sorts of conversations, but I thought it would be kind of a unique angle to talk with someone who I don't know in real life. You and I haven't had anything longer than that hour conversation on your podcast. And so in some ways, this really will be unscripted. We have some questions that we've, you know, looked at and discussed um, but now we're going to kind of dive in and, and let it breathe a little bit and kind of kind of go through it. And so I want to start with us talking about um, something over the last year that's kind of bothered me again, and it, some of it is just getting older, I think. I, I know I'm noticing my age, and one of the things that I noticed in this last year is it seems like there's a question that no one is asking, at least publicly, like in the past, when a natural disaster happened, or something big in the world took place, even on CNN, Fox, whatever news outlet, you know, the major news outlets, there would always be a question about where God was in the midst of it. And I don't know, maybe maybe I missed it, because I'll be fair, I did check out (laughs) to a large degree of watching news this year. But I just feel like, most people in our world, as we become more secularized as a nation and a world, haven't really asked that question. Like, where is God in the midst of a pandemic? And and in years past, you know, this isn't the first pandemic the world has seen, clearly. Um, I just feel like in the past, God and a spiritual perspective would have been brought in at the front end. People would have been praying, you know, the, the culture would have been leaning into a spiritual conversation but i don't know am i off here but i feel like that hasn't been a public conversation and so we're gonna have it here in this little corner of the the podcast (laughs) universe uh not that you and i are you know anything significant in the sense of like we're not these big public public figures who've written books and we're on tv or whatever but I don't know. So Daniel, let's just start here with that very basic question of where do you think God is with all this COVID stuff? Like, where is God in the midst of this pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think that, um kind of reiterate what you said, I think that it's such a difficult thing to try and think about sometimes because we're so... We're we're so enveloped with what's going on, you know. the The whole idea of being in this pandemic has just kind of destroyed a lot of people's lives. It's destroyed a lot of people's minds. You know, it's it's really taken uh, people down to like a really low level of of living, because mm-hmm. you know everything was going fine, you know, and then March hit, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" And then mid March hit. And then everyone's like, okay, I guess we're going to have to sit inside, you know, and then everything after that COVID, 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 like almost every single conversation that I've had. And, 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 and if I sound like I'm self-promoting, I'm really sorry, I'm not trying to, but a lot <laughs> of the people that I've had conversations with, they're like, how's COVID going, you know, and I don't even prompt it mm-hmm. or, you know, we'll be talking and it's like, oh, whoa, COVID's done this, you know, and it just gets really tiring. Like I personally get sick and tired of trying to talk about it all the time just because everyone is talking about it. And every, like we we know it's here. We know it's around. It's it's not something that's hidden. It's in plain sight, but it's just consistently coming up. And then you have those people that are super radical left or super radical right. And they're like, no, we have to literally stay inside because you know that one person, and, and, and I don't mean to be disrespectful in this, but no. you know, like we have to stay inside because- old grandma sue's life matters and i'm not saying that it doesn't but then you have the people who are like no like it doesn't matter like she's going to die anyway you know you have both sides and everyone's screaming so so loud it just becomes exhausting is all um and so i i i'll say this i think that it's it's understandable as to why um we don't hear a lot about where is god in all of this it it, it's somewhat understandable because everyone else's voices are so loud it even if you wanted to think about that it's almost like that thought is being drowned out by the rest of the voices does Mm. that make sense
0: yeah yeah yeah, and I think it's, you know, one thing we'll probably talk a, a fair amount as we go through these questions is the extremes, you know, and I think that that is always highlighted in a season of stress or stress or troubled times, you know, the extreme views kind of are amplified, if you will. And so there is to me, the the two sides I see is like one side is living in fear, we're so afraid, like I have friends Again, dear friends and family who are fearful. They are scared in the midst of this season. They are afraid of dying, ultimately, afraid of contracting you know, this disease. And then the other end of the spectrum is like the criticism to the other side is there's just stupid people who just ignore the fact. Like it's almost like they're living as if there isn't a pandemic going on, you know? And so one of the themes that we talk about a lot on this podcast is finding and living in the messy middle. It's like, stop going to either extreme, Uh, Let's find the middle ground between the extremes. And and, and that's where I would answer the question is, I think God is somewhere in the messy middle. I think that, you know, you look at scripture, you look at life, and it's easy for pastors to, again, stand in a pulpit and kind of do either extreme. They can say, well, COVID is God's judgment on mankind. And, you know, they make it into God has authored this to punish us and to judge us as a nation and a world. Um, and, and a lot of guys do that with cancer or they do that with, you know, any number of personal and kind of corporate struggles and, and troubled stuff, you know, things that, you know, they they make it out on the one end to be like God is is mad at us and God is passing judgment and we deserve that. And so here's how we respond. And then the other extreme is just kind of like, oh, God has nothing to do with this. You know, God's not a part of this. This was created in a, in a, a market in Wuhan, China, and God is not at all a part of it. I mean, China is not a Christian country, and there's so many, you know, ways that you can argue it's just free will, and he's allowed it to happen, obviously, but he has nothing to do with it, and so I think my theology and my perspective is, uh, and it's messy because it's harder to nail down, and it's harder to say with authority, like, this is where God is, Um, but I just, I wrestle with on a personal level with things like cancer again, and I have a disease called Crohn's, Um, but it's Mm -hmm. just like whatever thing in your life that you're suffering through, um, it's easy to blame God or ignore God, and so I kind of want to try to find a middle ground, because I think at times if you read scripture, like there is clearly times where God does judge mankind, and he does bring in Uh, natural disaster or disease, famine, you know, certain things into a culture to get people's attention. I mean, gosh, is there anything that typically gets our attention more so than a pandemic where your friends and neighbors are dying of, of a disease that's caught through coughing on people? Um, So I don't know if you have more to say on that, but I just think that is, that's where I'm at is it's somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. And it's really hard to to draw out, because again, it's easy to go to one side or the other, but I think God is somewhere in the middle.
1: Uh, I would. So, I, I've actually thought about this a lot because I've been trying to to figure that out as well, um, and I've I've listened to a lot of different uh, religious viewpoints, a lot of different pastors talking about it, a lot of different people, you know, saying this or that, or the other. And I, I I've almost come to the conclusion that it's not that. Um, you know, he isn't there because, of course, God is always there, even in the midst of the the struggles and the the crap that's going down, you know, all the the, you know, all the junk like he's there. Mm. Um, But a lot of people don't see that necessarily because um, they have the idea that if there is a God, then why would there be bad? Why would there be evil in the world? Um, and the thing that I've kind of come up with to, to answer that point is that it's not that God necessarily, you know, condemns the, the bad stuff to happen. You know, it's not like God's going to sit there and be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little evil today. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to mm. kill off, you know, Joe Schmo down the road, you know, mm. like his life's done. Like I'm done with him, you know, he blah, blah. No, that doesn't happen. But what does happen is the sin in the world that affects us every day on multiple different levels, you know, like we have, of course, you know, the spiritual aspect to us, you know, the mental, the physical, the emotional, and who's to say, you know, that sin itself doesn't affect those, those uh, levels, you know, even I don't want to say without God's permission, but it's not like he's condemning it. Does that make sense? Like he's yeah. not saying, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to make you, you know, blah, 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 you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to do bad to you because I'm God and I can't. No, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, you know, like he lets bad stuff happen, but that doesn't mean that he is the one who is doing that, if that right. makes sense. Uh, because ultimately, I think that, um, you know, God, the reason that a lot of bad stuff happens is because it's almost like a, like a test or like a, tr- nah, I, I, I take it back. I don't want to say test because test is definitely the wrong word. I would say more like a trial or more so of like, um, like a, uh, I can't think of another word. Someone's am just going to say trial again, but, um, you know, like it happens because, you know, God's God is putting us through that to give us, you know, a stronger outcome to help us be better than who we are. Uh, You know, think Mm -hmm. of it like this. If, if you're a parent and you let your kid just get away with everything, you know, he disobeys you all the time. He does whatever, you know, like pretty much you, you, you don't discipline him. You don't show him love in the hard ways. Think of that relationship between like us and God, you know, God's our father and we are Mm -hmm. his children. If we are consistently just, you know, not getting disciplined, if we are consistently, you know, not getting the the hard love that we need, then we're just going to turn out to be, you know, selfish brats. Or we're just going to turn out to not be the best people that we can be. And so I say all that to say, I think that, um, you know, God is there. He is looking down on us. You know, he is. I don't want to say doing what he can because if he wanted to, he could snap his fingers and this would go away. But right. he is also he is he is there, and he is allowing this to happen because he loves us because he's ultimately trying to bring us closer to him, um, and that's con- that's what I have to tell myself all the time because I I hate this this whole thing, man. Like I hate mm. it so much. It it's it's more annoying to talk about and to hear about. Day in and day out than it is to actually be living in it at Mm. this point in time, in my opinion. Because, like, for example, I'll be listening to a podcast and the the people will be like, "And so I was inside because you know we can't go outside because of COVID." I'm like, "Did you have to say that? Like, shut up! Like everyone else knows what's going on. You know, we're all living in the same thing." And then they talk about how they saw, you know, some, you know, a few people walking down the road without a mask, and it's like, "Shut up! Who cares?" Like, we're at that point now to where all you're doing is just causing a bunch of, you know, negative, like, if you're preaching positivity, and you're talking about all this crap, you're just bringing negativity, not to say that the people who aren't wearing their masks are doing the right thing. But it's like, do you have to say that? And so I I say that to say that, you know, God's there. It's just, it's hard to see it when there's a bunch of negativity. It's hard to see it when there's a bunch of loud voices. Mm.
0: No, I like that. You said that earlier and that stuck out to me, you know, as the world is really loud right now. the It's almost ear piercingly loud. Just so much is going on at one time that, yeah, the still small voice of God, as scripture says, be still, as Psalm says, and know that I'm God. It's like, well, it's really hard to be still when the world is literally, quite literally falling apart. And so mm-hmm. I think that was really, uh, really wise, the language you use there. Um, my pastor in Michigan. So a church in Michigan was where I kind of grew up spiritually. And I still feel like it's kind of the home church, if you will, where I found God and where I started in ministry. Mm -hmm. And I remember after 9-11 happened, you know, it's September 11th and the the Sunday following that, you know, most churches in America were just filled. I remember our church, it was a mega church and huge auditorium, and they had to set up chairs in the hallways, and people were literally sitting in front of televisions in the hallway in our church to hear whatever our pastor had to say. I mean, clearly, it was a moment, probably, I would say, the last moment in American history where we really were united, and somebody in a faraway place came to our country and brought... Uh, A huge amount of devastation, things that we never thought, I never thought could happen to our country took place. And so we're leaning in as a people, as a church, we're leaning in to hear what our pastor said. And I love, I really admire this guy, uh, the pastor of the Church of Michigan, because um, his answer to the question that the name of the talk was, where, where was God on Tuesday morning? And so that was, man, if there was a question that people were asking as they showed up at church, was like, where's God? Like, where is God in the midst of this? And his answer, I'll never forget it. It felt really trite when I first heard it. I was like, okay, that's really cute. Nice answer. Um, But it later really rang true. And I felt like it was super profound. And it, to me, connects with what we're talking about right now, which is his answer to that question, where was God on Tuesday when this horrific act, uh, happened in, in New York. He said, uh, he's, where is God? He's wherever you had placed him on September 10th. You know, Mm. it's like, we, we so often want to make like these big moments and we're like, where is God? And it's like, well, where is god where was your god in your life before that moment took place you know where was god in january of 2020 what was going on in your life and and how connected to god were you before this pandemic hit because that's where he's at you know it's like god is a gentleman in the sense that he's not forcing himself on anyone he is in our lives to the degree to which we want him to be and so if i have him close and i'm praying every day and i'm reading the bible and i'm living out my life my faith in in public and i'm not ashamed of him and all those things then that's where he is in the midst of the pandemic like in some ways nothing shifts it's it's the reality of of our relationship with him and so I think, again, however imperfectly that may answer the question, where is God, um, when it relates to us as individuals, where He is is wherever we place Him. Do we place Him in a place of honor, a place of significance in our lives? Or is God something that you you know, go to church every Easter, but the rest of your life, you're not even thinking or considering God? Um, to me, it's not uh, surprising then that when a pandemic hits, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, where is God? I have no idea. Um, so I don't know. That just for me, again, was a profound answer to a really uh, complex uh, question. Where is God? And And God is full of mystery, man. It's like a lot of things he doesn't want us or doesn't seem to want us to know. Um, So... Let's uh, let's kind of take a right turn here, because I feel like the other thing in 2020 that was um, especially hard was it wasn't just a year filled with a pandemic. It was an election year. And if it was a normal, quote unquote, election year, you know, you go back to what was it, George Bush and Al Gore or even Obama. And, you know, I forget who, who was running against Obama the first time. Wasn't it Mitt Romney? Yeah, I think Mitt Romney. You're right. Um, And so, you know, that, that in and of itself, maybe wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But my goodness, 2020, we had Donald Trump versus uh, Joe Biden, right? And it's like, wow, like, could you think of a more you know it's like i just think back on 2020 it felt like a movie man it's like the economy and for all the crap that trump got and and you know again if you hate trump that's you have a lot of valid re- reasons to hate trump i don't necessarily like him but to go back to january of 2020 our country our economy and things were unemployment was a record lows and just so many things even though there was still crap it seemed like a lot of things were in the right place and going in the right direction. And then we launched into an election year with a pandemic. So coinciding all of the where is God in the midst of a pandemic, we also had this hyper-partisan, hyper-polarized political election. And so it made me think, you know, from your perspective, Daniel, how, how do you think, how should Christians respond to hyper politics because my goodness are we not in a season in our country where you kind of have to think red or blue black or white you have to think hmm. in these two camps how do christians how do we move forward in that how do we how do we respond in hyper-polarized politics
1: yeah uh, i'll say this i i think it's i i just feel like i need to say this um mm-hmm. i i think it's really stupid when someone says oh I don't like so and so person because and then they list just a bunch of reasons why they don't like that person not because why they don't like you know what they do and that's what I saw a lot going on with both sides both Dems and Republicans talking about each candidate they're like oh I don't like Trump because you know he said some racist remarks back in 2016 or whatever it was and I'm like Are you serious right now? Like, you're you're really going to go way back there? And then I saw some people say they don't like Biden because of whatever happened years and years ago. And I'm like, can we please forget about that? And because here's the thing, the presidency, it it shouldn't matter necessarily if you you don't like the person. Like, of course, you don't want to vote for someone that you hate. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, you don't want to vote for someone that's not going to do anything for the country. And so there is so much... uh, back and forth on both sides about just a bunch of logical fallacies they're just literally attacking the person they're not actually talking about you know any of the policies that they were trying to put in place i'll stop there with that because it's just that was also blown out of proportion um but i feel like christians should respond um first of all by understanding that god put government in place Hmm. you know it's not something that people just all of a sudden, yeah, I'm going to do this. No, like God put that in place, says in the Bible, God, I'm sorry, I can't give you a a, a verse, but, you know, it says, you know, obey your government authorities, unless if they tell you yeah, pretty Romans much to 13, do things, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Unless if pretty much they tell you to do things that are unbiblical, um, you know, and it's not like we see, you know, the U.S. government saying you have to do unbiblical things. Uh, excuse me. That came out weird. Unbiblical. There we go. It's not like they're telling you to do that um and so we have to obey the government um but when it comes to hyper polarized politics like we saw i honestly think that we just need to and and i don't mean to sound very not trivial but um very basic in this but i think we just have to love others and just pray that what happens is going to you know be the correct outcome um Mm. because there there's and I don't want to go back and say, you know, there's so many loud voices, but there are a lot of really loud voices on mm-hmm. both sides, not to mention, you know, what we saw after the election with um, the, uh, the people just a couple of days ago storming the Capitol, like mm. you should never, never do that. Like, like what, what, what compels you to be so mad at a political system or, or a party you know, like, like pretty much all the, all the capital was that that incident that happened was a bunch of people just whining and crying that, you know, their, their party didn't win. Like, yeah, I'm disappointed that Trump didn't win. Uh, you know, I personally didn't vote because I just, I, I wanted to distance myself. I saw it taking a mental toll on me because I got so sick and tired of both sides that i was just like, I don't want to deal with that anymore. Um, but you know, I, I would have wanted Trump to win because I liked the policies policies he was trying to implement and what he was trying to do. And like you said earlier, you know, unemployment was at an all-time low when when he started and it was still rather low. And people are going to say, oh, but what about this and this? And it's like, that's what I believe. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. Let's move on. But um, you know, just because I saw, you know, the person who I didn't necessarily want to win win. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go and storm the Capitol and try and riot Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden start, you know, inciting violence and, you know, speaking out about white supremacy and all like that's, that's horrid. That's awful. You don't do that. You don't throw a fit because someone that you didn't want to win won. You don't do that. Like overall, we're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to trust in God that he's going to take care of us. We're supposed to trust in the systems that he's put in place. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what the Bible tells us to do. That doesn't mean that we, you know, we rely on it until it doesn't go our way. And then all of a sudden we explode and we're like, no, what are we going to do? No, you don't do that. You know, And that I'm not, I'm also not saying that you have to agree with one side or the other, you know, that there's, there's, there's so much that I saw come from the last couple years, uh, especially in this last year with the election that it just it really made me just unhopeful for the human race and I, it made me realize how much people need to you know find god it made me realize how much people need to legitimately try to come to faith because that's the only way that people are going to be able to get past any of this stuff
0: mm. yeah i'm i'm totally with you man in the sense that i um <clears throat> i i think i wrote something the other day on on um my facebook account just kind of my thoughts on the election and what happened january 6th and just all the stuff going on in our world and i just i've come to a place where i feel like a pilgrim you know where i used to be firmly in one camp and i would look with judgment on the other side and i had my firm understanding of politics and this is as a christian man this is what i believe and I feel like if I've gained anything in the last four years, it's that I've kind of, again, disconnected and and been able to see things with new eyes, fresh eyes, that I'm no longer uh, chained to a party or chained to one ideology, that I feel like I have friends literally on both sides. And, and I've maintained those friendships in the midst of so much pressure to not associate or not be connected. And And I just feel like where I came to it is I said, you know what, from November 6th, I think was the election, November 5th, somewhere in early November, um, till the inauguration day, um, I had a few friends who were in the camp, if you will, like the ultra right, um, you know, this election is fraud. And I this is this is the end. And these are all the things I mean, they're reading conspiracy things. And martial law, this, and this whole world's about to be, you know, thrown into this and blah, blah, blah. And, and I just really just turned off the news, disconnected. I didn't even hang out with a lot of these people and just kind of distancing myself. And none of the things that they talked about took place, you know, none of the stuff that, uh, you know, these conspiracy theories, you know, 95% of them didn't come true. And so I walked away and I said, the difference between me and them, the only difference was is their blood pressure and their wallets right uh they were emptying their wallets buying up guns buying up you know taking money out of atms like just living in this very like posture of here's what's coming next and I chose to not do that. And I, I was kind of ignorance is bliss. I didn't hear a lot of these things. And I was just kind of living separate from from that. And I, you know, moved across the country and I got a new job. And so I've really buried myself and focused my energy where I think it should be, which is my new job, getting to know people, meeting new people in a new community. and And so I just, again, kind of anecdotal here, but I just said, The only difference between me and them was blood pressure was the amount of money spent on all these things and I'm like, wow, what an example because for all their complaining and all their tweeting and Facebooking and parloring or whatever. um, They didn't do anything like nothing really changed in Washington I mean aside from your vote, these guys didn't really change anything through all their fears and all this stuff and so. Again, I'm talking about a handful of my friends on one side. There are examples on the other. But I just feel like Christians can get so tribal, just like the country. We can feel like we we as Christians have to be on this side or that side. And I feel like that is really destructive for a number of reasons. And I really appreciate the church I'm at and the churches I've been a part of. You know, the pastors have spoken out as like, you know, politics are important, be involved, be educated, don't be vanilla, don't just, you know, have no opinion, but also be very careful of it not becoming your obsession or your life. As believers, we are supposed to be a part of a different kingdom. We're supposed Mm -hmm. to have a different king and supposed to be uh, not worrying about the things the world worries about. And that's the irony with my Christian friends is they worry and they get themselves into this frenzy over politics and over who's going to be president and and again i have i have things that i like about biden i have things that i'm fearful about that i do look at that and i'm like wow what are the next four years going to hold for our country uh and the same thing with trump there were things i like there were things about him as a person as a ego narcissist maniac you know the things he said i would just facepalm it all the time um mm-hmm. But to your point, you know, there were a lot of policies. And as an outsider, he was able to get a lot of things done that other presidents tried for 10 years. And he just, you know, was able to, to work it, you know, get that stuff done and did relatively a lot of things in, in a short period of time. Um, so all that to say, I feel like kind of bow tying both what you said and what I said, I think as believers, again, um, responding with humility is key. You know, are we going to respond mm-hmm. with pride? Like, I have the one opinion that's God-centered, you know? It's like both sides kind of have this virtue signaling of we're the Christian party, we're the party that cares about the poor, or we care about you, or we care about the... You know uh the p- person with a different skin color whatever like each party kind of does that and i think yeah. as believers we need to be really loose-handed like not not holding it strongly or firmly like have humility and say maybe my opinion's aren't the best maybe I have more to learn you know and and that's again I think you know what I heard you say again I appreciate about you is you and I have met a lot of different people and you're talking to people on your podcast with all sorts of political um, different countries different religions different viewpoints and the more that we do that I think we we grow as people in our humility because we stop seeing everybody as like us they're they're just just like us and you start to see like people have legitimate opinions across the board right
1: mm-hmm. yeah the like there, there are so many so many different opinions across the board and like of course some of them are you know a load of crap you know some people have some opinions and it's like like i, I don't want to try you know poo poo on them but it's like where did you come to that conclusion like <laughs> yeah, how does that make equal. any sense yeah. Yeah, like some some of the things that some people have told me, I'm like, are you educated? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be rude, but it's, it it's, it just babbles me some of yeah. the, the, uh, what people believe to be true is, but um, it, what what's always, I'll say this, and this will be my last thing on the, on the topic, but I'll say this, um, it's always really made no sense to me how, and you, you said, you know, you have friends on both sides. Um, but I, I've seen so many Christians who are on just the, the one side, the 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 conservative side. And not to say that you know that's how it should be or that's how it shouldn't be, but there's so many who are on that side that die on that hill and they will mm-hmm. not waver in one way or another. But here's mm-hmm. the thing: it's not like they're necessarily right, but it's also not like they're necessarily wrong either, you know. Like I had a conversation with a gentleman from New Zealand. And we were talking about um, the whole idea of like socialist healthcare. And we were talking about raising the minimum wage and all this stuff. And a lot of what I was saying was making sense in my mind because I was born in America. Or, yeah, I was born in America. You know, I'm an American. I live in America. Like the whole idea of America is to, you know, grow up, get married, or I would, yeah, I'll say get married and then, you know, make a bunch of money. So then you have a bunch of money and you can live your life. But, over there in New Zealand, they're very, very focused on trying to make sure that everyone's life is as good as it can be, you know, like, of course, you know, there are those people who will expect handouts, you know, there are those people who, you know, won't work for anything, but they do a really good job at trying to make it to where Everything is not given to people, but they do what they can to make sure that people have a, you know, at least a basic standard of living. But mm-hmm. over here in the States, we don't necessarily see it that way. We yeah. like, um, uh, like I'll, I'll say this it's like, why would I want to, you know, give my money to the government so then they can help someone who isn't working? You know, like uh, my mind automatically goes to why would I help someone else out when they can work for it? They're not doing it because they're lazy. And that's what a lot of Americans mindsets are. And so uh, I love the idea of socialized healthcare. Like, I think that would be really cool. Will it work? I'm not sure because there are some people who need thousands and thousands of dollars every week just to live for medication. And then there are some people who won't ever need it. So it's like, where do you draw the line? But, I say I say all of that to try and uh, to reiterate my point along the lines of there's so many Christians who are on one side and they're so conservative um, and they just they they poo poo on the other side about everything. It doesn't matter what it is. Just, oh, you know, well, drinking's wrong. Oh, well, well, you know, this president drinks, so I'm not going to vote for him. Like I've heard people say that before.
0: <laughs> We're and so and it's far like, beyond that, though, right? It's like, oh, oh, my God, oh yeah, yeah, Trump. yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just using that as an example. But I mean, it's like, it it just, it it blows my mind that people are so, they don't, they don't just stop and think and they're like, you know, what's good, what's bad. They're just so, they're so one way and that's not how we should be. You know, like Mm. we are human beings that have a mind capable of processing information. And the ultimate goal is to, of course, glorify God on the planet. That, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to glorify God and lead others to him. And what a better way to do that than to try and take in more information to potentially better ourselves to help, help out our brothers and sisters. And we don't see a lot of people doing that. We see a lot of people just saying, mm, no, I'm stuck in my way. That's how it is. That's how it's going to be. Um, And that's how it's going to go. Like, of course, you know, that, that's, that's not everything, you know, you of course have to look at policies and you have to look at, you know, if you agree with different things that the uh, potential candidates going to do or what the the party does, you know, I understand that. But at the same time, you know, we see so many people just on one side and they don't look at the other side and try and even work with them. They're, they're Mm -hmm. just so constrained and chained in their ways. You know, like I, I was raised to believe that Republicans are the way to go. And if you think the other side, you're wrong. And I understand kind of where they're coming from because, you know, Democrats are more for abortion rights, which I'm against. You know, they're more for X, Y, Z and some of that stuff I might be against, you know, because of my faith. But that doesn't mean that they're necessarily wrong. Like you can support, you can support a person in a party, but not support that, that thing that you don't agree with, if that makes sense. Because here's the thing. Not everyone is going to be 100% with, with what you agree mm-hmm. with. They're not always going to do the things that are correct. There's always going to be one or two or three or four or five things that are against what your faith is or against right. what you believe to be morally correct. And so it's like, I don't know. I think ultimately people just have to be more open-minded and they have to trust in God that yeah. they're making the right choices.
0: Yeah, and dude, what w- another major problem which connects right with what you're saying there at the end is the two-party system. I mean, I feel like gosh, the last two elections, it's like, we're not even, we're not even electing a person anymore. We're just trying to not have the other person or the other party in power. You know, that's, that's oh, most yeah. my friends, you know, in 2016, when they voted for Trump, it was, well, I don't like Trump. He's a terrible, hor- horrible, narcissist, womanizing, terrible person, but here's, here's the huge, but Uh, I really don't like Hillary Clinton, you know, so it's like, I think the two party system in America right now is part of what's gummed up the system. And again, as believers, it's amplified because it's like, yeah, I have a myriad, I have a spectrum of beliefs on policies and different uh, issues. But if you force me and you say, Kurt, you can only think A or B, right? If it's only one of two options, then you kind of force people to be in one camp or the other. And yep. that's what I think, again, part of our structure and our system needs to be reformed. We need to get more into at least at a minimum a four party system where it's like ultra right, ultra left, and then two more middle positions. And that spreads the votes across um, with money and all the political money that's there. You know, I don't know when and how that's going to be a reality, but I just, again, m- kind of ending this question by saying that I, bl- I blame the media and the two-party system. I think that the, the problems we face in politics today are primarily the media, which which amplifies issues that people don't really care about or people aren't necessarily divided about but they feel when they walk into the voting booth, like, oh, I have to vote this way. Cause you know, that's what CNN told me. That's what Fox told me. That's what's right. It's like, yeah. Who the hell cares what's happening at an NFL game. Right. But because, of the media, we all suddenly had an opinion about what happened at an NFL game. You know, it's like, there's so many, what I feel like are small issues that were amplified. And then in the office or, you know, hanging out with your family and friends, you have to choose. Well, surely you believe this. And I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about that, but if you're going to force me, you know, so I just really feel like, man, I'm praying and I'm hopeful I think America is at a crossroads, to be cliche. I think we've got to figure this out because if we're just going to continue to let social media companies and media corporations uh, tell us that there's only two answers to every question, a Republican or a Democrat, you have to choose this terrible option or this terrible option. um, We got to figure that out because I don't think that that's the answer. I don't think that that's the way forward as a nation is to just be forced into these two camps. And and I would, again, just kind of say at the end here that that's how we got to where we are. We're here because of swinging like a pendulum between one party and the next, one set of beliefs and opinions to the next. And so America is divided, but we're not divided to the degree uh, that the media I think makes us out to be those those things serve their interest. It serves their um, uh, viewers and their financial interests. It doesn't serve us ultimately. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully we figure that out. But let's jump for the sake of time here to uh, number three here, which kind of connects, and that's this sense of contentment. You know, so turning in a positive direction here, you know, we got COVID, we got a political, uh, polarized climate. Um, How do we find contentment? How do you and I live in this world and still enjoy it? So we're not just, again, swinging from all these issues in this troubled time that we're living in. How do we find contentment? And for me, I want us to look at the Apostle Paul. So he's a guy who's writing to the church. I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament. He's writing to the Philippian church and he's in jail, literally in a dark, you know, we're not talking about an American jail with TVs and email and, you know, four meals a day or whatever they get in jail nowadays. We're talking about like stinky, smelly, poop-filled, uh, water, you know, musty, whatever. Like he's chained, <laughs> he's chained to you know, a post in the middle of this basement, and he's writing to the Church of Philippi this letter, and I'm going to read from Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation." whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And wow, is, is that not a relevant passage for us here in 2021? We just came out of 2020, still a lot of uncertainty, still a lot of political crap. Paul gives us the answer. How do we find contentment? How do we find joy, whether we're hungry, whether we're fed, whether we're living in plenty or whether we're in want, how do we, how do we do that? And so how does that answer that Paul gives us, how does that help you specifically in your life in 2021?
1: So I'll say this, one of the best things that ever happened to me was hitting rock bottom and realizing Mm -hmm. how how great I had it before I decided, uh, to make the choices that I made to then hit rock bottom. And so, um, one of the things that really just, it it helps me to, to be content, uh, with everything and, uh, you know, with where my life is and with what my job is and, you know, all that I have is, um, when I hit rock bottom and I was at that point and I was like, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm incredibly depressed, you know, I yada, yada, yada. Um, I won't go into it, but you know, when, when all that happened, I I realized that, you know, I knew that something was happening. I wasn't sure what was happening, but I knew something was happening Uh, And long story short, you know, God provided, you know, he gave me, uh, you know, my awesome wife, you know, he gave me a great education. He's given me a fantastic job. He's given me a life of honestly, very little worry. You know, he's given me just so many great things. And um, one of the ways that I stay content is just by consistently reminding myself, you know, it was all given to you by God. And so why in the world would you not be okay with what you've been given? Mm-hmm. um you know it's it, it's really funny to me uh because i i know a lot of people who and i don't want to say you know that like someone's a better christian than someone else because i don't necessarily think that to be true some people might have more bible knowledge some people might have what would be considered more quote unquote faith you know like whatever it is you know like we're all christians in the making is what my pastor um mm-hmm. back home would say but long story short you know everyone is um the, they everyone is continually growing in their faith and so uh you know some people that i know who would be quote unquote crater in that faith uh, you know like they they say all the time you know like oh i'm depressed oh you know i'm not doing so good oh you know dan like what's going on and i'm like dude why are you like this you know, like you under you know that God's going to take care of you, bro. Like you understand that stuff. Yeah, it might not be going your way. And yeah, you know, COVID, not to go back to it, but a lot of the conversations I've had recently, you know, deal with that. And it's like, you know, like it's going to be okay. You know, like God has you in the palm of his hand. You know, he has you there. He knows what's going to happen. Everything's okay. He's gotten you this far. Why is he, he's not just going to drop you off on the side of the road. You know, like you can literally pick up the Bible, open it to any passage, and you can see where God has worked with that specific character. You know, like take Noah, for example, he saved Noah from the flood. You know, he's like, no, you're going to build a boat and I'm going to provide it, for, you know, like I'm going to provide you with this knowledge. I'm going to provide you with safety. You know, I'm going to provide you with a way to, to figure out how to get back on dry land. And, you know, Noah was content in that, you know, and then you can look at any of the Psalms, you know, and, and all of the Psalms, well, I shouldn't say all of them because there are some that are of sorrow, but a lot of them will say, hey, you know, like, I, I trust in the Lord, you know, I, I trust in him. He as provided for me, I will worship his name over and over and over. And that's what the book of Psalms is, it's worship. You know, they are, con- they might not necessarily be okay with what's happening in the moment, but they know that it is going to be okay in the long run. And that's what I bank on. That's what I understand. That's what I do my best to remind myself that it's all going to be okay. Yeah, it might suck in the moment. Yeah, my job might be boring. You know, I, I deliver packages for Amazon. And so I drive a truck four days a week, four 10-hour days. And I do nothing but drive to a house, go into the back of the truck, pick up the package, put it at their front door, get back in the van, go to the next place. That's literally my day, four days a week. And I listen to podcasts all day. Does it get boring? Heck yeah, it gets boring. But I (laughs) understand that I've been given this job. You know, it pays actually really well for what it is. You know, it's a full-time position. I get benefits. I'm able to provide for my family. And it's like, I'm happy in that because, you know, I'm content. I'm happy because I know that the Lord has provided that for me. He's given me that. He's provided with, he's provided that for me because I had no freaking clue what I was going to be doing, you know, after I graduated, let alone got married, let alone COVID. I didn't know what was going to happen, you know, and the the Lord provides this for me. I'm content. You know, the Lord has provided work for my wife. I am very content. Not, not that, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I'm not content before. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to be content after, but I'm content in the moment because I know that what's going on is provided by the Lord. And that's where I think Paul is trying to I think that's what he's trying to uh to say is that you know like he understands what it's like to to be in the in the crap you know like if you go through the life of Paul it's uh it's a rough one you know it's not yep. something that a lot of people wish to have but he knows that you know he's doing the right thing you know he's he's being the Lord is providing for him he knows that in the long run he is going to be with the Lord after he passes away and he knows and he's content with it And that's, that's what I bank on. That's what, that's what I come back to all the time. You know, like I'm in that spot, dude. Yeah. It might be a little monotonous, but I'm content, dude. Like it's, it's nice. I I tell myself every morning when I'm driving my truck. So it's a little funny thing. And then I'll, then I'll stop because I know I've been talking for a few minutes, but I, I load up my truck in the morning and I put in my, my earphone. I'm listening to daily devotions and stuff in the morning and I go through sermons and stuff. And after all of the spiritual side of my podcast listening is done, uh, I turn off my my podcast and uh, my uh, media for I don't know maybe 15 minutes and I just sit there I'm like thank you Lord you know like I'm content like I'm very happy with everything that you've done for me and I just and I don't even necessarily pray to say you know like please you know be with me on this day you know be with my wife of course I do that but a lot of the time it's just me sitting there I'm like thank you for everything you've done you know like I don't I don't I don't bring enough uh, recollection to that, you know, thinking about my life and all the good that's come from it. I don't think about that enough. So thank you for it. And I just remind myself all the time, I am truly blessed. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what a lot of people need to, to see. They are blessed.
0: Yeah. No, that's solid, Daniel. I appreciate you sharing that story and just your life story. And I feel like that's, it's so redemptive what you're saying, because that literally is Paul in the sense that you know, I, I think of Philippians four, and it's like a lot of times people forget the context. And that's why I said it right up front that he's writing this from jail. And it's mm-hmm. like, if, if he wrote these words, what we just read these, you know, three verses from a hot tub in the back of his mansion, right? Like it's, it's got a much different tone and a much more significant, um, you know, example for us or model because of where he's at. And to say that, you know, we as American Christians, we read this and it's like, we're always thinking of well-fed and living in plenty. No, he's saying, I'm content even when I'm hungry and we even when I'm in want. And so I'm sure there's listeners who are listening and they're like, yeah, that's awesome, Dan, like you're, you're married, you have a job, you're, you know, whatever. What about me? I lost my job. I have a cancer. I'm, I'm thrown out of my house. I'm estranged from my whatever relationship. Like that again is the thing in Christendom, especially Western Christendom that we don't we don't lament. We don't go to that place of like, even when shit hits the fan, God is still God. Even when there's a pandemic and your grandma dies, your wife dies, you're, you're in a country where the politics are just upside down and you feel like the world is literally the foundation of your life is being ripped apart. God is still God there. And we can find contentment in that. We can find contentment in any and all situations. And it, he, again, I'm thankful Paul didn't just say that. He said the how. He said we mm-hmm. do it in verse 13, through him who gives us strength. And obviously, he's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who enables us to live in these circumstances, job loss, Uh, new job, uh, wife or singleness, uh, you know, living in a a democratic home or nation, living in a Republican, very, you know, whatever nation, uh, either place, we can find contentment. And so I hope that encourages our listeners. I feel encouraged just as we're talking this out. I just, I I feel like so much of my year um, has been filled with some low level anxiety, even though I've got a new job, I've got new relationships. I just still had a, a little cloud of, of uncertain anxiety that maybe the world um, is ending and that that's a good segue into our last question. Like I just kind of <laughs> had this sense of like maybe this is the end times because there is so much in the world that has just flipped its lid like our just our society seems to flip over right now and so, mm-hmm. The final question today, and this is intended as a pun, um, but are we living in the end times? I think there's a lot of Christians. Again, it's not really on CNN or Fox News or whatever headline you're reading. um, But I think in Christian circles, like my church, for example, just this month is launching a Bible study on the end times. I've read a lot of guys, again, on podcasts or nationally known churches there really is kind of a new renewed uh, interest and conversation happening about the end times. And so I'm going to ask you, Daniel, your your answer to that question. But I just want to say for me, whenever I talk about the end times, uh, again, I'm a simpleton, I'm a simple guy. And for me, I always look at it and I'm just like, what generation hasn't been in the end times in the sense that time is linear so right from Jesus' death till now, we're always the generation that's closest to the end. And no matter what happened in your generation, whatever happened in your lifetime, there's always things in our, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years of life, if we're lucky on this earth, there's always moments we can freeze and we can say, oh, end times. Oh, here's here's a thing. Here's something, right? Like it's pretty hard to find a generation that didn't experience a world war, a famine, a pandemic, a natural disaster, whatever, a nation being thrown, overthrown. Um, So in that sense, I kind of look at the question as a simpleton and I'm just like, well, yeah, we're living in the end times because every generation has lived in the end times until they died and then a new generation showed up. Um, So where are you at with that? Do Do you feel like with the midst of COVID, like are we living in the end times
1: uh, let me just say this real quick. So I, I want to yeah. go back real quick to the last question and, um, because you said, you know, like, Oh, Dan, you know, like, what if I'm depressed? You know, like I've, I've been in bad situations and stuff. And I'm mm. here to say that, like, you can't get through it. You know, God's going to bring you out of it. It's not something that he's just going to, you know, like it's not like you're there and it's not going to get any better. Yeah. It doesn't mm. feel like it at the time. Trust me. I know, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to get good. It will mm. get good you know, like God's going to be there, you know, he's got you by the hand. It's just a matter of fact, if you're going to take the steps. Um, anyway, going to the, to the final question, Um. I don't know. Um, you know, it's something that I thought a lot about and it's something that my dad's been saying for years, but it's not something that, I mean, like, yeah, there's things that have popped up and, you know, if you look in the book of Revelation, you go through it, yeah, there's some stuff that, you know, starting to come up, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, I don't know, because here's the thing. Like, I was, I was thinking about this a little bit. What about the people that, when World War II started, mm. what do you think they thought of? Oh my goodness, yeah. the world is literally ending. You know, Hitler's going to kill everyone and take over, and then the world is going to cease to exist. You know, like, that's that had to have been something that's just bonkers, brother. You know, like, mm. think about that at the time. Like, we've right. never gone through a world war. Yeah, we've gone through, uh, you know, the whole thing over in the Middle East. But we haven't gone to a war along the same lines of World War II. And so I can only imagine what people were thinking at that time. Yeah, the world's ending. And now you look at it here. Of course, you know, there's things um, where they're trying to have like a universal currency. You see a lot of places trying to have uh, or create universal, excuse me, I can't speak, universal currencies uh, with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And um, there's a... I don't. I can't remember what company it is, but they're trying to create a um, a what is it? A currency that is in Europe that is accepted throughout all of Europe, including Eastern European countries and different countries that have um, the the euro and um, their their own currency, like um, the pound. That's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Is the pound? Um, yeah. And I know it sounds like, oh, it just sounds, you know, like a more, no, like they're trying to get it to where those countries accept it and then spread it to the rest of the world. And here's the mm-hmm. thing, that currency doesn't adjust with any sort of inflation or anything along the lines of uh, countries' uh, economics. And so it sounds like they're really pushing for that. And then, of course, like I said, you know, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and everything, they're they are trying to do that. I know Starbucks and a couple other companies are accepting Bitcoin, saying that, you know, like, that's the future, you know, universal currency. And that's something that is talked about in Revelations. You know, the world's going to have a universal currency. So, of course, there's, there's a lot of signs, you know, that point to the end times. Um, but if I'm being honest, I don't know, because the end times could be, literally three days like this podcast could potentially not even come out you know and the world's already done you know what i'm saying or it could be where it's another like 20 years and like what really constitutes end times you know like is it the the seven years i think it is that it talks about or is it you know the the two months or you know what i mean like it it, like i I would like to think that the lord's going to come back soon like that would be awesome because I don't know if I want to go through the rest of this life with just how crazy and scared you know I'm I'm gonna be like I, I worry for my kids and mm. that of course has a different story I'm going down a rabbit hole but you know like I, I hope that the the end times are here because it would be awesome to go and uh you know be where I'm supposed to be um as a as God's creation but at the same time it's like I I don't know it, it's just mm. something that I I guess I'm I'm not optimistic about but it's like I I just I guess I'm just not sure.
0: Yeah. No, I share that. I think um the the passage that I turn to is you know a lot of times again I've been to seminary, you know you've been to to Christian school and it's like we <clears throat> there's so many passages and it goes back to the old uh fundamental error is a lot of guys take verses out of context and it's like they talk about a few verses And they use that as their rubric for their, you know, theology or their opinions about the end times. And it's again, not the context of the passage, you know, so that that's the thing right from the start that it's like, is the, is the person in the text talking about the end times? Are they being asked about the end times? A lot of times, no. And yet we're building this whole theology about like, this is what's going to happen at the end of the age. And so the passage that I think is. Uh, to me, where our focus should be, if we're going to have an intelligent, scripture-informed conversation about the end times, we need to go to Jesus. We need to go to our the leader of the church, the Son of God. You know, let's go to Jesus and what He said. And so, for me, that is in Matthew 24, 25, uh, commonly known as the Olivet Discourse. You know, He's speaking to His disciples on the Mount of Olives, and He starts. Uh, he answers their question. And so I'm going to read a few verses from there. So in verse three, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately. So like, hey, we're private. Let's ask him, you know, and tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So if you and me, Daniel, were sitting with Jesus and we leaned in and we asked this question, are we living in the end times Like, bro, that question's already been asked. It's in scripture. Like he answered this question. The disciples leaned in and said, when, you know, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And so I'm going to just read a portion of it. I'm not going to read the entire thing. So I encourage our listeners who are interested in this question to go read both chapters. But he begins his answer by saying this in verse four, Jesus answered, watch out so that no one deceives you. Sidebar. Jesus is assuming people are going to be deceived. Like there's going to be a lot of reports and a lot of news agencies and a lot of things out there deceiving people. So he starts right at the verse, the first verse, he says, watch out. So no one deceives you for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth, the birth pains. And he goes on to there and gives some more signs and more examples. Um, but I think that is a really good passage for us to, to come to. And, and what I want to highlight and kind of bring, you know, bring this home uh, my pastor at the church I work at now, I've only been there you know two and a half months, but he again has been asked so many questions in the midst of COVID about whether or not we're living in the end times. And as I mentioned earlier, he's going to do a Bible study and talk about that a class. But his answer he shared with us in like a staff devotion recently, and he just said, kind of similar to what you just said, he said, I don't know. I don't know if we're living in the end times or not. But he said, and this is this is the key teaching that I think even Jesus said in the passage we just read, which is he said, it's clear whether or not we're living in the end times, Christ was clear that we're supposed to live as if we were like, it's so simple, yet it's so profound again, that I don't know. Maybe we get 20 more years. Maybe we live a hundred more years as a nation, as a world before the end, whatever that looks like. But either way, as Christians, we are commanded, we are told right in this passage I read not to be alarmed. Jesus said to his disciples, Don't be alarmed. Like I'm telling you, this is gonna happen. Wars, famine, nation rising against nation, like COVID 19. Uh, racial injustice, um, America. Maybe, maybe America falls. Maybe we go through a season where a new nation rises. I don't know. That's in this passage. He says those sort of things are going to happen, but that's the beginning. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. you know a long period of time or a short period of time, and so. For me, kind of where I land with the end time stuff, I don't get much into the signs and the symbolism and the timelines. You know, all these pastors have written books and made lots of money and profited from their predictions about what this meant or what that meant. Again, largely out of context, largely passages that really don't have to do with the end times. Um So for me, I'm going to take my orders, not from a pastor who wrote a book. I'm going to go back to Jesus' words. He's my savior. He's the one that I look to, my Lord, my leader. And he says not to be alarmed. He says that there are going to be some signs, but he also leaves it, he also makes it clear that there's going to be some mystery. You know, it goes on to say, no one's going to know the hour, you know, there's, it's not going to be super clear. And so we're still supposed to lean in and live. Uh, a Christian life, a God-centered life, a life that's leaning in to uh, to what God wants, and as you said earlier, you know, to glorify God. Like that's what we're created for. That's what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. Whether or not it's the end times, whether or not you're well-fed or hungry again, whether or not you live in a mansion or you're in jail or you're black or you're white or you're poor or you're rich, we're all called to the same sort of uh, posture when it comes to our faith. We're supposed to become more like Jesus, and live in a way that would honor him. So I'm yeah. going to give you kind of the the final thought here as we wrap up, you know, do you have anything more to say about the end times, or maybe the other stuff we chatted about? i just love to give you kind of the final word.
1: Yeah, the, the one thing I do want to say is, I, I really don't want to know when the end times are coming personally, because I don't want to stop living the way that I know I should be living, all because of something that could be soon or it could be in a few years does that make sense like i don't want to stop you know living my life and you know trying to do what i know is right and provide for my family and you know i I don't want to stop any of that living for the lord doing doing all of that i don't want to stop that just because i think that you know the end times are are upon us you know like yeah it it might be but then again you know the lord said like you don't know the day or the hour like no man knows when it's going to happen So like, why would you try and stop? And why would you try and like, you know, almost prepare, I guess, is the best way to put it when you don't know, like, keep living your life, keep doing what you know is right, you know, keep living for him and keep pointing people to the Lord. And that's what you need to be doing. Why, why would you want to know when that could be a thing? You know, like who cares if that if it's tomorrow or the next day, because as soon as you know, then that's going to literally change everything. You're going to stop because you're just going to be. Does that make sense? Does that does that sound like I'm, you know, just kind of talking on my butt? Because that's something that I've thought about a lot. I just don't want to stop living the right the right way, the way that I know I should be living all because of something that could happen within the next couple of days. But then again, we don't know how long it's going to be.
0: No, it's there's kind of a correlation to what I was saying about politics and just observing my friends who got all riled up about it. it's like, there's no amount of you and I getting ammo or filling our basements with food and you know like, again, not throwing shame at people who are doing that but it's like, you're not going to be able to do anything to prevent this from happening like the end times are going to happen you know the 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 apocalypse all the stuff that we read in scripture these things are going to take place and yeah, you might be able to help your family survive another month than the guy who didn't prepare, but these things are going to take place. And to your point, why stress? Why, why waste today focusing on something you don't know that's gonna happen in the next few months? And that's like I said about the election. I'm like, whether or not I get riled up or not, nothing really changed. These things happened in Washington. I voted, I did my part, and things went a certain direction. And so I live my life. I'm focused on my job, my family, my relationships. You know, it's it's the direction that I'm leaning in, and I'm not going to get riled up in things that um, don't have any value. And I'm not saying that God doesn't have any value. Of course he does. But my feeling on scripture, again, is that he prepared his disciples when far before the end times happened thousands of years ago but he gave us a model to live by which is yeah you you should live as if it's the last day you should carpe diem man seize the day like love your family love your neighbor uh seek justice honor me you know worship me be in relationship with me like all those things are true whether or not you and i wake up tomorrow or we get hit by a bus because let's be real what's more likely to happen probably than the end times is we get that phone call from the doctor we've got cancer we get a, a call that you know or we get hit by a bus or we have a tornado or we have some sort of natural disaster right i mean these things happen life is not yeah. guaranteed it's fragile man and and covid should be a reminder of that you you and i could literally go to safeway tomorrow a, a grocery store and and someone coughs on a banana that we pick up and next thing you know you have covid and you end up in the hospital and you die like that is the reality mm-hmm. of the world we live in it's that fragile. And so I want to honor God on my last day, but I also want to honor him, you know, months and years before that day comes. And that's what I heard yeah. you say, which is I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to be a good citizen, a good neighbor. Um, I'm going to seek to honor God, whether or not it's the last day or I have a hundred years left, you know, like who knows you live up in Seattle, maybe Bezos is going to make some, thing that makes us last forever. If we pledge allegiance <laughs> to, to Amazon, true, you know? we get a new update and we can live a hundred years longer. Like who knows, dude, technology is moving so fast. Yeah. Um, but Hey, Daniel, and we, yeah, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I just want to say one more thing. Um, yeah. the, the reason I say all of that is because I, I like to ask myself, you know, like what would Jesus do? And I don't want to give that stupid basic, Oh, just what? No, like what would he do? yeah he know like of course he would know when when the you know when him he knows when it would end That was, that's a weird question to ask but I, I i say that to say he would literally to the very last second continue to love others and continue to do what is right you know he wouldn't he wouldn't put himself aside he wouldn't go into isolation a couple of days before no he would up until the very last second very last millisecond Help, you know, the needy, help the poor, help other people. He would do everything up until that very last second, because that's who he is. And if we are supposed to be the embodiment of Christ, if we're supposed to live like Christ, then we need to literally take that and do the same exact thing that he would be doing. And that's helping people out. Mm. So that, that's where I, that's where I stand on that. And, you know, that's, that's why I say, you know, I, I could care less when the end times are here, because I know that they're going to come here when they're supposed to come here. You know, like, yeah. why, why, why should I worry? I'm supposed to live like Christ. So I'm going to do that.
0: Yeah. And I was just reminded, as you said there about Jesus, not, you know, Jesus knowing the day, I, it reminded me of Mark thirteen thirty two, which is one of the, the verses that says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. And so I was reminded, as you said that Jesus Christ himself, he doesn't know, he doesn't know until the father sends him. There's a moment in time in heaven where God's going to send Jesus back. He's going to be like, son, go back to earth. Um, so it's not in the angels' mind, it's not in the son's mind. So again, this further emphasizes the point we're making, which even Jesus doesn't know. So he's gonna continue to do all the things you just said, he's gonna continue to be a savior, he's gonna continue to to create and gather the church, um, until the father says we're done, like the time's up. And so I as a Christian, as somebody who follows Jesus. I'm in the same place. I'm going to continue to do the things Christ has asked me to do. I'm going to live my life until the Father, God, uh, ultimately says, all right, this this is the end. This is the moment. And so... Um, this has been really good, Daniel. I've enjoyed our convo. We could probably go on as two like-minded uh, people for <laughs> another hour, but for the sake of our listeners and uh, my podcast sponsor, uh, we got to wrap things up today. I so appreciate you coming on and just uh, the life you're living, man, and just the way God's working in your life and through the podcasts and through Amazon and your family. And just, I wish you the very best, man. I know that we don't know each other in real life, but I've really enjoyed our combo and maybe once the uh, the pandemic is in more in the rear view mirror, maybe we can uh, meet somewhere and have a beer together and just uh, maybe uh, meet face to face. I would really enjoy that.
1: Yeah, me too. That'd be fun. Thank you for uh, for having me and everything. This was honestly a, a good time. I, I don't have a lot of people in my life right now because of COVID and stuff where I can just kind of talk to, to someone about any anything religious, really. And so it's it's been, you know, a blessing to kind of be able to, you know, hear myself and hear what I believe come out of my mouth, and you know, also kind of get a, another person's uh, take on it and everything. So, thank you. It's been, it's been real nice. It's been a pleasure.
0: As featured on episode 22, our podcast sponsor is Adam Peak, my friend and independent financial planner. Are you concerned that you aren't doing enough for retirement? Have you always wondered if you're missing out on the retirement plan offered through work? Reach out to Adam to help find the answers to these questions. You can reach Adam through multiple channels by going to adampeak.com. That's adampeak with an A.com. Securities offered through Sigma Financial Corporation. Member FINRA and SIPC. Adam Peak, 300 Parkland Plaza, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48116 phone number 810-522-8169 or acpeak at sigmarep.com. Man, do I love episodes with guests. It is so fun to kind of switch things up and have someone else to talk to instead of myself. But uh, seriously, I love these kind of uh, conversations, and as always, I'm inviting you guys, the listeners, if you are interested in being a guest, please send me an email, send me a text, a message, any way you can communicate to me. Really, folks, anything in the culture, the technology, or the faith section. I'd love to have you on or at least have the conversation about having you on. It would be a great way to maybe for some of you to do something new, something maybe a little scary in 2021 and grow a little bit. Try something new like being on the Cultured Christian podcast. And so. If you liked what you heard today, be sure and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Please join the conversation on our Reddit. Also like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email us at culturedchristians at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you in the next one.